this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Wednesday, 7 December in the year of our Lord, 2022. We had a pretty explosive session the other day about the Wuhan lab. And as we um, get closer to Republican control of the House, this is starting to heat up on Capitol Hill. Um, Dr. McCullough is going to join us here uh, momentarily. He's over at the Capitol. He's going to join us as soon as we can get a technical hookup. He's there with Senator Ron Johnson. They're working, doing a workshop on investigations that are going to take place uh, next year. From the Senate side, we have um, Natalie Winters, our executive editor, joins me. We also have Dr. Andrew Huff. Dr. Huff, I want to go back through as a summary uh, for our audience about your book, why it's it's the importance of this book. It's it's, it's, as good as some of these books have been, have been, um, you know, third person accounts of what happened and put things together. Yours is a first person account. And as everybody's saying, in fact, yesterday, somebody was one of the congressmen was talking and saying, hey, there's got to be a couple of priorities. One is to get to the bottom of uh, of covid. Uh, Steve Cortez was on our show. They, they talk about covid reparations from the CCP. The railhead, this all goes back. The railhead of all this is a lab in Wuhan and, and people, uh, our audience remembers from our pandemic days. But Wuhan is kind of the the um, military uh, health or military hospital center of the People's Liberation Army. It has been since the uh, the Civil War and the Revolution back uh, after World War II. So, Dr. Andrew Huff, tell us about tell us about your job, who you worked with, and the origins of this book, which is about the origins of this pandemic. Sure. So, I've had a varied career. I started off as a U.S. Army infantryman. I served in Operation Enduring Freedom, Operation Iraqi Freedom. Thought I was going to be a career officer and um, had a change of heart after my second combat deployment. Um, became a scientist, degrees are in psychology, uh, security technology, engineering, geographic information system, and uh, environmental health uh, science with the Emerging Infectious Disease Specialty Tract. So that's epidemiology for emerging infectious diseases. I've worked at San Diego National Laboratories, had a top secret clearance, um, developed actually platforms modeling simulation to detect emerging infectious diseases. Got sick of working in that space. Saw the writing on the wall if I kept on working. Sandia Sandia is a weapons lab, right? Essentially what we call them. It's one of the big weapons labs. In fact, it's out there where the Trinity Project, where the atomic bomb was was actually um, put together and and, uh, the test of them. It was the beta site test or near the beta site test for the atomic weapon? It, it's the premier nuclear weapons laboratory for the U.S. government. It's the most secure facility uh, that the U.S. has publicly. Um, I think the, the we- nuclear weapons platform is probably, you know, 80 to 90 percent budget. There's, it has tremendous overhead, three, 400 percent of each person. Uh, that's what it costs to operate that laboratory. Um, I worked in biologics and modeling and simulation. So that's a much smaller part of that big budget. Uh, but they, it is a a substantial part of what Sandia does in a number of other beltway bandits and defense contractors. Uh, increasingly, my work was at risk of being classified. It was starting to be classified. And working in public health and pandemics, a lot of that work I felt like should have been out in the open domain. And it's just a reality. If you're a scientist working at one of those laboratories, at a certain point, you can't go anywhere else. Uh, they keep st- stamping your work with classified. You can't talk about it, so you can't get out. You can't escape. <clears throat> so fearing that, I started looking for work elsewhere, and I found a, a job as a senior scientist at an organization called EcoHealth Alliance, and it sounded very crunchy, granola. We would be essentially um, mitigating pandemic risk through conservation activities, and there's a grain of truth to that. So if you can uh, prevent from people from going out into the environment and destroying it, uh, you can actually prevent or reduce exposure risk. Well, I came to find out later that that was just a bunch of hot air uh, to bring money in it, and I ended up doing actually defense contract type work again at this organization. Um, due to my success, I brought in uh, $2 million within the first year, $4 million uh, at the end of the first year. You know, $6 million, most scientists don't accomplish that in their whole career. 
Um, that's a hang, funny. Hang, that's hold, just hang, 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 hang on. I want to make sure our audience fully gets this. Uh, the the head of uh, Echo Health Alliance, uh, Dasig, Peter Dasig, was on sixty minutes, um, quote unquote, being grilled by Leslie Stahl. You know, with kind of coach pitch. Did it ever come up in that interview at all that they the heart of their business was uh, being a defense contractor for DOD around things of uh, uh, biological weapons, sir? I only watched part of the interview um, when I. When I my BS BS alarm went off, I, I sort of tuned out and turned it off because it was more of the pitch of what Eco Health Alliance wanted everyone to see it to be versus what was actually happening. If you go look at, I mean, I think the Intercept did a great reporter a piece on this where they actually pulled all the funding history from Eco Health Alliance, and the vast majority of it came from the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense, um, or related uh, entities. Very you know, maybe 30%, as I recall, of their budget came from the National Institute of Health. So most of their their funding was from the Department of Defense or national security-related activities. So you, you get into this and you find out immediately you're kind of in a, in a you're back to kind of almost classified work. When you call biologics, this is, and I want to make sure people understand the biological weapons treaty, biological weapons are so scary because they can get out of control so quickly. We've had this biological weapons uh, because people are actually more concerned, I think, of biological warfare than even nuclear warfare, right? Because it can get out into the general and get it to the general population so quickly. But when you're Echo Health Alliance, you're still there. You're still there essentially working on DOD programs. Uh, absolutely. So my, I was the I took over a department called uh, data and technology. So I was building machine learning or artificial intelligence platforms, which is a form of the intelligence community called signals intelligence. We're also doing it on the non-classified side using uh, open source data. And I would, we developed these platforms to actually predict and forecast how emerging infectious diseases would spread or where they go to next. I had a lot of success at that and that's why I brought in all, all the money. And that's, I was doing some of that work at, at San Diego National Laboratories, too. So I was familiar with the customer, so to speak, what they wanted. And being in the military, I could, uh, you know, speak defense. And, you know, part of EcoHealth Alliance's growth into that space, I think, was me coming into the company. Um, it, it helps when you have people from DOD talking to other DOD people and you know what really is driving um, their mission and, and what they want. Um, what happens after uh, 20, you know, 14 or 15, um, I think from at least the Washington, D.C. perspective, the government's perspective, is that they try to leverage a lot of the programs against each other. So you have to report when you apply for grants or fundings or uh, contracts, all the different entities that you're receiving funding from. Also, what's happening at Washington, D.C., there's a number of interagency meetings taking place because you know, FDA might have a, a small, small hand in, in biologics research or, or national security. The Department of Homeland Security will have a piece. Uh, multiple divisions of uh, health and human services will have it. People from CDC will be there, uh, the public health service. Uh, so you can see that, you know, this has broad reach into all different parts of the government. So they actually have these subject matter experts and program officers, program managers from all over the government come together. They have meetings and then essentially they strategize how to get certain projects funded, certain organizations funded. So that's what's happening behind the scenes. Um and then, you know, with, with how Congress works and how they appropriate funding, the, the trick is making the right friends and the right partners as being the defense contractor, so to speak, uh, so you can win the awards. And Equal Alliance becomes very uh, successful at, at playing that game. And that game is a game that's in it's in essentially biological warfare. They talk about it being the defense. How, how does gain of function become a part of this in the 2014-2015 timeframe? Well, a, a number of different ways. Uh, so first of all, it's a hot topic uh, in, in my field. So in emerging infectious disease, um, diseases, virologists, immuno immunologists, um, going back to really 2005 is when the, the, this gain of function debate kicks off. And it really splits the scientific community. 50% uh, are for it, 50% are against it. Um, the idea is that you can genetically engineer or advance an agent into the future so that you can build a medical countermeasure to prevent that. Now, there, simultaneously, like none of this ever happens in a vacuum. You know, there's a big concern that that the government has and society has 
that we cannot develop vaccines fast enough based on egg-based technology. That's the traditional uh, method of, of making vaccines. Uh, people talk about it every year. The flu vaccine, uh, they can only get three or four different strains into it, and they play a subject matter expert game uh, where they see if they can predict what the, the matching strains will be. And it takes nine months usually at a minimum to, to produce one of these things. So now flipping forward and how this relates to bioterror, biosecurity, biowarfare. But, 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 but hang, but ho, 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 hang on one second. Cause I want to make sure people understand this and I want to make sure I understand it. I think I do, but I want to make sure in, 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 in powering up these basic viruses you find or work on. And, and as you're saying here, you're get to saying COVID-19, take it 150,000, I think years in the future. That's not a natural process found in nature. The uh, the um, understanding that you're even doing this is that people are out there engaged in research for biological weapons, that, that people are actually on the other side because these things can't be found in nature. You wouldn't need to go 150,000 years into the future. The implication, the assumption that the industrial logic that undergirds all of this is that there are people out there, bad actors or not, or these people not know what they're doing, that are playing around with these viruses, neither consciously weaponizing them or unconsciously weaponizing them. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to go 150,000 years in the future because the, the, in the natural evolution of these viruses, they can't, they can't do it that quickly. Is that, is that a, is my that, understanding that, that, incorrect? No, your understanding is absolutely correct. And that was the point that I was making the other, the other day on your show. Um, so what happens is it starts off as being what sounds to be a good idea. So let's build countermeasures or vaccines or treatments for things that, that could exist. The problem is the execution and the devils and the details. They're doing gain of function work to advance agents so far into the future, like you just said, that it's implausible that these things could ever naturally emerge. It, and then you have to step step back and ask the, the practical question, well, what the heck are we doing here? And really, in my opinion, and I talk about this, this in the book in, in my last chapter, or second to last chapter, is that they're creating a big biomedical military industrial base. They've created a huge economy around this. And now this is all about money. And you can see it with, you know, I call them the, the death jabs now. The, the mRNA uh, platform is a huge flop. Um, there's, I mean, hundreds of thousands of injuries in, in reality, probably from this, which haven't been detected or people haven't been fully reported or measured by some accounting body here. So you have to ask yourself, you know, what is it that we're actually doing here? And it, it, uh, it's a travesty. I mean, taxpayers are paying for it. We're spending trillions of dollars um, on these lockdown measures, on, on the mRNA jabs themselves. I mean, it's just and then now we're going to have this problem yeah. of treating the mRNA jab vaccine injury. So, I mean, this is going to be a problem that lasts on. We crippled our military with it. I mean, it, the whole thing is a complete disaster. Uh, uh, Dr. Huff, hang on for one second, because I want to bring somebody's working on what you're, what you're talking about right now. Dr. Peter McCullough is joining us from uh, I think we got him from the Capitol. Uh, Dr. McCullough, you're back there. Andrew Huff has just got this new blockbuster book out. You guys wrote the first wave of these books and kind of identify the madness. Now we have eyewitness about the Wuhan lab. You're actually back there for a couple of days with people like Ed Dowd and others with Senator Johnson. Can you guess up the date on this workshop that you guys are holding? Yeah, this was a historic U.S. Senate session titled COVID-19 Vaccines. What are they? How do they work? And what are the safety concerns regarding the vaccines? And we got it all out in the open. You know, the, the final culmination of our deliberations were that the vaccines should come off the market, Steve. They should be pulled off the market for safety reasons. All the mandates should be dropped. And we need to have a massive shift towards starting to pick up the pieces of vaccine injuries, disabilities, and deaths. What, what went wrong? So, look, this is and this is why we've got Huff up here today. This is kind of a blockbuster. I mean, you live stream this out from a Senate. It looks like a Senate hearing room. You had top experts in there and you had Senator Johnson, and other senators. How, how can the media and the big pharma and all their lobbyists not come to grips with which which now clearly 50 percent or more of the American people are worried about this because they don't think they've been dealt with straight. This thing today was kind of a blockbuster. How do people now that it's out, how are people not going to be able to handle not going to be able to deal with it? You know, the people are, are now I think the information is so clear 
coming from so many different sources uh, that each and every person is going to have to go to their doctor and, and express their concern regarding vaccine safety. We know that the COVID-19 Community Corps uh, HHH funding was billions of dollars went to medical societies, organizations, the entertainment media industry, the sports teams. Uh, they were basically bought off with a government bribe, Steve. And we're going to have to undo all this uh, because Americans have been hurt by these vaccines uh, and we need to get them off the market. You know, uh, Governor DeSantis said yesterday he's going to hold Moderna and Pfizer accountable somehow in the state of Florida about this. When you say bought off, that is a huge charge. What? Give me your give me your evidence. You say bought off and and uh, it, media was all complicit in this to fool the American people. What do you mean? It's in the open. Uh, HHS on April first, twenty twenty one. It's on their website today. Announced the COVID nineteen Community Corps. This was over thirteen billion dollars of funding specifically to promote the vaccines. What they call overcoming vaccine hesitancy. But these dollars went to the American College of Pediatrics, uh, uh, the American Association of Pediatrics, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Uh, they were promoting the vaccine in groups that hadn't even been tested, where we had no idea if it would uh, work or, or be safe. And on top of that, they quickly got into prominent groups like the NFL, uh, multiple uh, uh, media and entertainment groups, uh, black and Hispanic groups. It, it was, in a sense, a government bribe. The government should have no role in, in spreading money around huge dollars to promote a vaccine that's under emergency use authorization. That should be between a doctor and a patient only. The, the liabilities here are so potentially enormous. I mean, how do you, from your perspective, how do you, because you've been one of the first guys to warn us about this. Now that's getting this phase, and obviously with a Republican-controlled House and, and, and people like Senator Johnson uh, more on top of this and more engaged, how do you recommend this gets unwound? I mean, this is such a big scandal, but more importantly, the interlocking pieces of it in the what Andrew Huff calls the biomedical security industry. How do you start to unwind this? I think the key is fraud. Uh, if it can be uh, proven, sufficiently proven that the, the vaccine manufacturers and their biodefense subcontractors defrauded the American public in terms of vaccine safety and efficacy, hopefully the liability shields will be dropped. Right now, Americans are told there's no recourse, that, that the manufacturers, everyone involved is indemnified. Uh, but that, that shouldn't be the case if fraud is, uh, has been undertaken. And I would also say that in the setting of uh, mandates where someone receives any pressure, coercion, or threat of reprisal, that they took the vaccine not of their uh, free will, those who imposed the pressures on them they should be held liable. Right now in the House, they're considered a big victory, which I don't think it is, but they're running around. It's a huge win, a huge victory for our movement, a huge victory for conservative Republicans that in this massive defense authorization bill, we've gotten the they tentatively got the, the, the vaccine mandate off of troops going forward. Not, nothing about people being reinstated or pay. Uh, do you think that's enough? Do you think that's enough right now in this massive defense bill? Or do you, are you arguing it should be much more? I think uh, uh, it should be much broader. I think there should be uh, attention put on uh, complete analysis of the DMED uh, data epidemiologic system, uh, appropriations for uh, vaccine uh, research, uh, uh, vaccine injuries, uh, compensation for vaccine deaths. You know, we heard today in our session from Lieutenant Colonel Long, flight surgeon, there have been more military deaths directly due to the vaccine than there ever been with COVID. Stunning. Uh, I've noticed that CEOs of places like Moderna and Pfizer are, are trying to avoid direct uh, giving direct testimony to the European Union and certain commissions over there that are requesting they come and answer some basic questions. Is that a hindsight? Are they, is Big Pharma going to fight this tooth and nail of having come forward even under congressional pressure and answer questions that are pretty basic about the vaccine, the testing of it, and really what they, because in Europe we found out, oh, uh, the spread of the virus, we actually never tested. Right? <laughs> we never tested that. So do you think they're going to fight in the United States to come forward like they're fighting in Europe? 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're hiding, in a sense, uh, reluctant to come forward. Uh, we had all the vaccine CEOs invited to our session today, uh, specifically invited. Senator Johnson read out their names one by one. We also invited uh, all the major public health officials. We had places for them here in the Kennedy Caucus Room and the Russell Building, U.S. Senate. They have failed to appear before American people asking hard questions. And, and the reason is they can't answer for what's happened right now. This is a vaccine debacle. And no one is big enough to step up and say they were wrong and start taking corrective steps. I think they're going to have to be heavily pursued with investigations that really have some some sting to them. Dr. McCullough, you're a hero because you're one of the very first to step forward and put your entire professional career. You've taken big hits for this. How do people get your book that talks about that? And how do people follow you on all social media? Go to my website, PeterMcCulloughMD.com. That'll take you everywhere. The book is Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalizations and Deaths While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex. And I felt like that's what I was doing today, Steve. We're battling this biopharmaceutical <laughs> complex, this fascism. It's a, it's, a, it's a combining of the forces of the government with big pharma, and the interests are, are clearly not in, in the best uh, you know, for the beneficence of American people. We got to stop it. We got to break it. This is going to be one of the biggest fights of our time, and we're at the top of the first inning on this. This is why I say Naomi Wolf's book, your book, are actually, uh, Robert Kennedy's book, they're actually more relevant now, be more relevant in 23 to get everybody up to speed because these are going to be massive fights. This is going to be one of the, the, the industries that, that has the most cash flow, the highest margins, and they're not, to, they're not going to just go away. Uh, or change their ways just because uh, War Room and Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough and Andrew Huff tell them that they ought to. So it's going to be this is going to be a battle royale. There will be one for the ages. Dr. McCullough, thank you so much. Honored to have you step out and, you, and visit with us today. Thank you. Just we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a lot more coverage, intense coverage, starting on Thursday and Friday of this historic event put together by Senator Johnson. We'll have more to say about that. Uh, tomorrow morning, but we're going to do a lot of coverage, direct coverage, interview some of the people that are back there. Just a historic gathering of uh, gathering of eagles. Let me go back to Doctor. So Andrew Huff, when you see where we are today, given your knowledge of this, given your understanding of this, in your last your last two chapters, how big a fight do we have in our hands here, sir? Oh, it's a massive fight. Um, I think I tweeted something about it last night I, for your followers or on there. Uh, my handle's A-G-H-U-F-F on Twitter. Uh, check it out. But this is just the, the, the pivotal moment where we finally said no, and we're not going to take this anymore. And this is probably going to be a two, three, four-year battle. Um, and going back to something that Dr. McCall said, there is actually one angle where the U.S. government has liability here, and I know this because I'm a military veteran. Uh, for all the veterans that get uh, discharged and are injured by these vaccines, they can file VA disability claims against the Department of Defense. Um, and when there are enough of those claims that come in for vaccine injuries against DOD, the epidemiologist there in the, the VA and the DOD will make this what's called a presumptive claim, meaning that so many of these have come in, these injuries, it has to be true. And that's happened with another thing, a, a number of uh, different conditions over the years. Uh, older veterans in the community is probably familiar with Agent Orange exposure. That became a presumptive uh, condition. One from my generation of veterans who served in Iraq and Afghanistan is asthma. Uh, so if you serve in the theater there, you develop asthma after you serve there. Um, it's presumptive that your service in those places caused it. I think we're going to see the same thing with, with vaccines and DOD. So they're going to be paying the bill for this on first. Uh, the, the good thing about that is that that investigation, that inquiry, which will happen within the Department of Defense and the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, will then be able to be used in other courts, um, which is a really effective tool when making the legal arguments. The other day, some of the audience was saying, hey, Steve, we were just about to get to the good stuff on the intelligence community when he got off topic. The reason is I want people to buy this book. I don't want to give it. The book's amazing. And I want people to buy this book and I want people to read this book. Yes. What really happened in Wuhan? This is this is critical. Look, there's a lot of learning, and this audience, given war room pandemic, are, are the most knowledgeable audience in the world. But we still need to do more because the intense period's about to come. The fight's about to really be engaged on Capitol Hill, Doctor Huff. 
Absolutely. And when you when your audience purchases this book and reads it, um, you know, it's actually the perfect book to buy for someone who doesn't believe because I wrote this in such a way that a high school student can understand it. This does not get into the minutia of virology. I have the citations there. If you want to go down the rabbit hole into the deep science of the, these things, you can. But I was a firsthand witness to the development of SARS-CoV-2 and the co-development of the mRNA SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. Well, jab, it's not really a vaccine. And I lay it out very factually in time in a, in a timeline so that people can understand how this happened and how we got to today. And once everybody understands how we got here today, that's when everyone will be upset and will probably, you know, want and demand action from our government. So I think the time's coming here soon. The two huge battles, and this is what how your life's being formed by this, this massive battle is about to take place on Capitol Hill about how you set things right around here and not just that with the economy and underpinnings as we're talking about. You know, L.A. County's talking about putting masks back on people. They're still talking about this. And in China, where they tried to go to a hard lockdown again, the Chinese people just said, hey, look, dude, you may be the most powerful guy since Mao, but we're not doing it. And he blinked. This has geopolitical implications. It has economic implications. Clearly has massive implications in your life. We have hon- we're honored to be at the forefront of this, knowing all- everybody that's used this platform and come on here. Dr. Huff's uh, recently in the book is just amazing. Go and get this book today. Give it to somebody for Christmas. Dr. Huff, what's your, we got to bounce. What's your social media, sir? Um, I'm, per, I'm pretty much only on Twitter. I, I don't have time for much else, but A-G-H-U-F-F on Twitter. It's the same on Getter and Rumble. This book's going to be a blockbuster, I can tell you. Tony Lyons, courageous. Dr. Andrew Huff, I look forward to having you back on. Short break. Natalie Winters is going to make it all comprehensible to you next in The War Room. have proven that we need to be prepared. We constantly see government overreach, attacks on our communication and energy grid, worldwide conflict, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. Having reliable communications is essential. But don't get caught without reliable communication. And I'm here to tell you, your fragile cell phone simply won't cut it. It will not cut it. That's why I've partnered with the Satellite Phone Store, so you can stay prepared and assure your vital communication stays private. They're one of America's largest satellite telephone companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. Right now, they have a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Get a free Amerisat satellite phone. 150 monthly minutes, free United States domestic number, and free rollover minutes for only $99.95 plus tax per month with an annual agreement. Now go to SAT, that's SAT123.com, SAT123.com slash Bannon, and get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That's SAT123.com slash Bannon. Do it today. Take action. Look, you did the tough thing during COVID. You paid your people and you pulled your business through the pandemic. And now doing the tough thing could qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee at COVIDtaxrelief.org. Government funds are available to reward companies with two or more employees who stayed open during COVID. This is not a loan and you don't have to pay it back. This program is complicated. But nobody knows more about it than the CPAs and tax experts at COVIDTaxRelief.org. You pay nothing up front. They do all the work and share a percentage of the cash they get you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans, even if you had an increase in sales. You did the tough thing for your employees during COVID. Let COVIDTaxRelief.org help get you up to 26 thousand dollars per employee visit covidtaxrelief.org that's covidtaxrelief.org do this today take action at covidtaxrelief.org
War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back. Um, so a lot of moving pieces of this, and we're making sure that you've got the framework for all of it and that we can clear out the fog of war and to make sure you can see things as clearly as possibly can be seen. On Capitol Hill, in one aspect, you have Senator Johnson. I'm telling you, what I love about Senator Johnson, he's like one of these Wisconsin guys. Once he gets his grip on something, he's not going to let go. Got kind of that Midwestern Wisconsin decency, but he's affronted by what he's been, what's been sold and spun for the last couple of years. He's had a belly foot. This is one of the reasons I think people that know Senator Johnson, he was only thinking of staying for a couple of terms. This is one of the central reasons that he's sticking or that he ran again and won decisively that he wants to be one of the leaders to get to the bottom of this. And he is going to get to the bottom of it. It's going to be huge. Um, and we're also going to do some things over the next couple of days. People will realize that some of the rescheduling of things we've had to do, given how big this is. I want to bring in Natalie winners. Natalie, you started doing this when, I don't know, you were 17 or 18 years old in, uh, at the university of Chicago uh, with, uh, with Raheem and uh, national pulse. And obviously you would come on. Now you're our executive editor. This is going to be massive. I want you to put this, frame it. And now that you got Huff coming forward about the Wuhan lab, but all this other stuff is happening too simultaneously. Ron DeSantis is coming out saying, hey, we're going to hold Moderna and Pfizer accountable. If there's, if there's damage from the vaccines, we're going to hold them accountable. You've got the, Senator Johnson. You have now everybody on Capitol Hill saying the, one of the most important things where there's consensus is to get to the bottom of how uh, the virus actually came about and where it came about, given your understanding of everything and, and Huff's new revelatory book, where, where, do, where do we stand in all this? Well, I think War Room is ground zero of, you know, being the China Hawk people, the China Hawk movement. And I, I wear that label. Some people might call it a slur with pride. But I think it's important to remember that a lot of the evils that the Chinese Communist Party inflicts on the United States, 99% of the time, they're aided and abetted. Um, by their allies in the American establishment. And I think there's no better example of this. I mean, the significance metaphorically um, and even biologically is profound that COVID-19, you know, at least according to Dr. Huff's reports, and again, a lot of the reporting that we've had at War Room um, really was co-developed by the Chinese Communist Party um, using taxpayer funds from Anthony Fauci, specifically his National Institutes of Health Agency. Um, so it's just a perfect example of how the Chinese Communist Party is really emboldened and empowered and really funded by the United States, by taxpayer funded agencies like the National Institutes of Health to create these viruses that are then, of course, later unleashed. Some would say intentionally. I am in that camp. Some would say accidentally. Um, to the world writ large. And remember, it was people like Anthony Fauci, people in the Democratic Party, people like Joe Biden, who were adamantly opposed to locking down this country. And it was only because of the clairvoyance of people like Donald Trump that we even got to have lockdowns and really a, a refusal of um, uh, people flying in to this country from China in the first place. So um, you know, you Andy mean when we Fauci did the quarantines in the first one, when, when, when Fauci, when Fauci fought us so hard in that first week, when the Chinese, whether they purposely released it or not, they knew once it was out, the thing spread from Milan, where they were sending people uh, to northern Italy to, to the United States. They knew exactly what they had with people being affected. This is when Fauci didn't want to shut, didn't want to close the country to people from China. In that first week, you had there was this huge fight where President Trump really said, hey, I want to stop all travel and I want to quarantine people, which hadn't been done and in 50 or 60 years. And the medical community fought, fought him. Go ahead. I'll, I'll add this real quick, too. It wasn't just Anthony Fauci, you know, behind the scenes uh, lobbying people in the White House to prevent this travel ban. Um, we had unearthed at the, at the National Pulse that there was actually a study that was published with researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that is the same lab that birthed COVID-19, using funds from the National Institutes of Health to actually call for increased scientific collaboration between the United, the United States and China um, amidst the whole early days of the pandemic. And this was a study, a paper that was used to say, you know, these lockdowns, these travel or these travel bans, uh, you know, calls for quarantine. Um, in the United States were actually detrimental to scientific collaboration between the United States 
which is in China, which is just a, a ridiculous talking point, and I think just shows you um, that the, the factors that drive these people, it's not public health, it's not trying to keep people safe, it always has been um, ideological, it's always been about power, um, and this sick, twisted, I think, idea, this, this conception of science, that it can be co-mingled with the Chinese Communist Party, and that there's going to be no negative side effects. It's really just, I think you can compare it to these vaccines, right? Just because, you know, Anthony Fauci thinks scientific collaboration with China isn't going to wield any side effects, just like Moderna and Pfizer say the same about their vaccines. It's not the case. Um, and really, the fact that they say it, I think, is the best evidence that the, the opposite is true, uh, because all these people do is lie. I want to go to, to your reporting, and, and nobody did more to strip away the, the phoniness of Health Alliance than Natalie Winters. I mean, you were on Dasek from day one because you smelled a rat. Um, and 60 Minutes did a terrible job. People, The media held this guy up. It's quite evident, and I just want to make sure I'm not missing the point here, that Huff was at Sandia. Sandia is not some just lab. It's not like Lawrence Livermore or the labs that's out in Long Island. I think you've got six or seven weapons labs is what they are. They call them national labs now to put a nicer phrase on weapons lab that were tied to the nuclear weapons program. But Sandia is the first among equals, right? That's that's where Trinity was, you know, fat man and little boy and his predecessors were developed. This is the premier nuclear weapons lab in the world. When he's studying, bi when he's out in biologics, I understand because we are a signator of the biological weapons treaty. We can only take a defensive posture. But when he goes to Echo Health Alliance and these types of things they're working on and they start talking about gain of function, this is what, and I just want to make sure you and I are in sync of this because it's, people are throwing these terms around now. It's evident that when you even conceive of gain of function, you're implying or your underlying assumption is that there's other parties out there in the world that are somehow powering up these viruses because when we say power up you're really taking them into the future the covid sars 2 is 150,000 years i think in, in front of what evolution would do it so there's nothing in nature that would get you there you have to have the assumption that there are people out there that are playing we have to have vaccines we have to have therapies we have to have defensive mechanisms that can counter that that can be countermeasures that's where their funding really was but you are playing around with gain-of-function experimentation, which is the way that you weaponize these viruses. Is that kind of it in a nutshell, Natalie? Exactly. I mean, I think the best way to describe it is that these people are playing God with viruses. But it's sort of, I think, to loop it all together with transhumanism, it's, it's this sort of weirder approach where it's not just playing out in a laboratory, looking at how viruses evolve organically and maybe speeding it up by a couple years it's specifically toying with the parts of the viruses whether that's the ace2 receptors the spike proteins that specifically deal with how these viruses infect humans whether it's the lethality or virulence um, or, or, or mortality rates um, so i think that's sort of where the tell is because it's not studying these viruses to better understand them it's sort of twofold it's it's souping them up um, to make them specifically deadlier to humans. And then on the other side of the coin, no pun intended, um, it's to come up, at least allegedly, with treatments, right? Vaccines for them. Like Dr. Huff says, uh, he claims that COVID-19 was sort of co-developed with this mRNA vaccine technology. And I think it's very, very curious, like I said just a few days ago on this show, that the same people who are getting these grants um, to conduct so-called pandemic prevention research are also the same people who are getting the grants to come up with the cures. So if the same people who are cr creating the very viruses that then necessitate the cures, um, it sort of seems like a conflict of interest. And I think just to, to, again, really, I think kind of pierce the veil and to have people understand the type of virologists who are involved in this work, you know, we brought up the name Ralph Barrick, um, someone who's a large advocate of gain-of-function research, someone who really was an exporter of this research to China, but specifically to the Chinese Communist Party, 
This is someone who there's a video that I unearthed of him in 2018, just a year before this pandemic was you know, brought on the world, actually advising people at a scientific conference on how to, quote, make money off of pandemics. There's a slide you can look on my Twitter that I, I reposted the article. There's a slide that he has up during his presentation, and the title of it is Global Catastrophe, colon, Opportunities Exist. This, this is not a joke. This is serious. He goes through and he talks about investments to make during pandemics, specifically singles out buying masks, um, what type of stocks to buy. You should buy you know, cruise industry stocks, travel um, in the early days of the pandemic um, because they'll, they'll be you know, on a fire sale. So this is the mentality that's that's driving these people. I mean, I've unearthed audio from Peter Doshak where he admits to basically fabricating and fibbing about the exact numbers in terms of federal government agency grants um, that he once he said, yeah, I was at the Obama White House and I just came up uh, with the number seven billion dollars. That's what I want in taxpayer funds from Barack Obama to conduct pandemic prevention research. These people masquerade behind the labels of scientist and researcher and virologist. Um, but that's not the case. And I, I think there's no better juxtaposition or really, I think, dichotomy um, to show in terms of the treatment of these you know, so-called whistleblowers, right? Think about the red carpet treatment that the whistleblowers and Donald Trump's first impeachment inquiry got. People like Francis Haugen, the Facebook whistleblower. I mean, there's a whole apparatus in D.C., that attorney Mark Zaid, right, who helps sort of grow these whistleblowers. But they're only treated as mainstream media breakout stars if they affirm the narrative of the establishment. When you have actual whistleblowers, people like Dr. Huff and, of course, people like Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone on the vaccines, the very tell that they are telling the truth is that not only that, you know, they're organic and they have the resume to back it up, but that they've totally been shunned by mainstream media and by big tech. So I, I really think it is in that kind of difference and really dissonance in treatment um, so, so, between these so-called whistleblowers so, that you can you can see. So Sure. But let's talk about that because you, you've got two things happening simultaneously. You have Huff's book release, right, a first-person account, and he's putting out additional documentation, particularly around Barrick, which is – I'm sure the Board of Visitors at uh, the University of North Carolina are in shock now about what, when ha what happened down at Chapel Hill. You've also got uh, – Senator Johnson's bringing together some of the top leading, most renowned uh, physicians and researchers that are coming forward and saying this. And they did a live stream today, and they're going to do much more media over the next couple of days. Now, it is crickets from the mainstream media. At the same time, you have Elon Musk, who's who's dumping the management team of Twitter, and he's saying, hey, I did buy a crime scene. And these guys did suppress direct information about the 2020 election. But there's much more. I want you to connect. Fauci's daughter, turns out, is going to be a major <laughs> player in this. And you've got the social media oligarchs working in the biomedical industry. You've got uh, and you've got the mainstream media that just becomes a Greek chorus of cheerleaders never really doing any investigations. Natalie Winters. Sure. Well, I know I, I always joke that it's not my my goal to come on the show and have people lose their minds with the stories that I break. Um, but unfortunately, I, I think it's going to be one of those days. Um, so this is another story. So back in, I believe it was March of 2021, we had broke at the National Pulse that Anthony Fauci's daughter was working at Twitter during the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, that's a conflict of interest. This platform was, you know, routinely censoring and kicking off people who disagreed with her father. Now, it sort of resurfaced through the ongoing deposition and I would I would call it a trial. Some people would call it a lawsuit. Um, but I'm Anthony Fauci um, in terms of the social media censorship of COVID-19. Um, and it's kind of become of interest again. Anthony Fauci's daughter, her name is Allison, her role in working at, at Twitter. But if you've been watching War Room, um, you've obviously been ahead of the curve on that story. But I was curious what Allison Fauci is up to now. Um, and believe it or not, she departed Twitter in May 2022 but to really go and work at a, I would say, more explicitly left-wing organization known as the Empower Project. Now, this is a group that on its website admits to really being an advisory company, um, but also helping in the kind of grassroots movement, specifically for progressive causes. And they have worked with over a thousand groups. I mean, you name it, Planned Parenthood, um, get out the vote groups like Black Voters Matter, even AFL-CIO, which is certainly interesting, which, you know, not to bury the lead, 
when it comes into these uh, companies' decisions to institute vaccine mandates. But even these Green New Deal supporting groups like the Sunrise Movement, groups that are funded by George Soros and the Gates Foundation, they're also partnered with a lot of branches of the DNC, that is the Democratic Party. Um, but putting the partisanship aside, you know, Anthony Fauci, who I believe was just two weeks ago, says, I've never been political in all my years of public service. Um, this is also really the go-to consulting firm for, and this is a direct quote from their website, promoting vaccine education, access, and equity. So this group, the Empower Project, and their affiliate nonprofit known as the Empower Fund, has been partnering with state-level health departments to promote the COVID-19 vaccine um, and really increase the uptake and sort of promote the rollout of these vaccines. Um, I'll read you a specific quote because it sort of dovetails with what Dr. McCullough was talking about, the targeted aspect um, of these, I would call them misinformation campaigns. Um, but they say they're going to provide people and organizations with the tools, both personal and technological, to identify trusted messengers within a target audience, enlist volunteers in the service of a cause, cultivate contact lists, and ultimately organize and mobilize their family, friends, and neighbors into agents of change. And there's a whole host of quotes like this where they go on about all the resources that they're using to really coerce people to manipulate their minds into thinking that COVID-19 vaccines are good for them. And, and on this, yeah. it, it goes deeper than this. There's another group specifically targeting Latinos, and they're also even giving out grant money to groups that are combating um, COVID-19 misinformation. So it, it really is the conflict of interest. I mean, it, it reeks, I would say, to high heaven, Sick. but I think it's to high hell because that's that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, Natalie, how do people get to you on social media? Because you're putting stuff up nonstop. How do they get to you at the site? Natalie G. Winters and go to warroom.org slash newsroom to stay up to date with the latest stories. And we're going to make uh, Fauci's daughter just as infamous as Fauci. Natalie Winters, thank you. Great reporting. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> thank you. Natalie Winters, our executive editor. Let's go now to uh, Joe Crouch, iTarget. Joe, we had people here over Thanksgiving, and they were raving about your product offerings. Walk us through, got a couple of minutes here. Walk us through iTarget. How do people get to you? What what purpose do you serve, and how can it be a great gift over the holiday uh, season? Yeah, thank you, Steve. Yeah, well, iTarget is a dry fire training system, so anyone can safely practice the fundamentals of uh, shooting their gun at home. And you know, if you don't own a gun, you probably should, because just looking at what happened with Paul Pelosi, you know, a rich guy, some guy comes in his house, police show up within minutes, and he still gets hit in the head with a hammer. So, you know, a firearm would protect you in a situation like that if you knew how to use it. So everyone should have a gun, I believe, for home defense, and you should also train with it if you have one. So iTarget makes that something that you can do at home safely, cheaply. Um, you don't use ammo. Now, what it is, is it's a laser that actually goes into your gun. The firing pin hits the back of it. It lights up a laser. So I have a gun here. It has the laser in it. And so uh, we have a couple different training products. Uh, we have the iTarget Pro system. And let me show you how it works here. The phone's camera looks at the target. And as you shoot the target... The bullet holes show up there on the app and shows you exactly where you were shooting. So you got an eight and a half by 11 inch target, which is uh, a good system for beginners because it's a larger target. And then we've recently come out with these iTarget cubes. Now the cubes are a more advanced system. They're a little smaller target area and you just have to hit them. They don't show you exactly where you hit, but you can put them all over your house. And they're about the size of the, the center area of that target. So with these, you could buy multiple cubes and put them anywhere. You could have competition with them. And let me show you how those work here. It's on the app. They have a different app. And you would just do three, two, one. Gives you a countdown. And now it's going to time you. 2.12, 3.56, And it gives you the exact amount of time it took you to hit those um, cubes. By the way, it's 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 totally safe, and you save you get practice nonstop, and particularly yes. if you're a beginner, and you've got uh, no ammo cost. Where do people go now to find out more? This is why I wanted to make sure people get the information. So where do they go? 
Yeah, you can purchase it direct from our website at www.letteritargetpro.com. Um, it's totally safe because it's impossible when you have the laser in there, it's impossible for a bullet to go in there. So if you're using the, you know, you yeah. always check your gun and make sure you do have the laser in there, of course, you got to use common sense. But there's no way you can have a we, misfire or anything like that. We gave it to people that are just learning firearms. And I got to tell you, it was rave reviews. They use it all the time. They've become very proficient. Now they go to the range. They kind of have so much practice so they can use yeah, their ammo. I mean, they can use their exactly. ammo. Exactly. I created it because my wife was scared to touch the gun. Uh, when I was trying to train her and she didn't want to go to gun range, she was scared to touch it. So I invented it and she started using this thing and, you know, it worked great. They they get confident pretty quickly. iTarget, we're going to put it up on all our sites. Joe Crouch, thank you very much. Great invention. You're helping you, the safety and security of the nation, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Joe Crouch, iTarget. Okay, tomorrow, 10 o'clock. We're going to be all over what happened today with Ron Johnson in this hearing. See you tomorrow morning at 10. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% and do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.